Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Please do heart work, I pray. I pray that your spirit would take the words of the Bible, the words of God, and drive them home to us today. Give us strength and faith, peace, joy. Please, Lord, I pray, strengthen our relationship with you today. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Paul said, I fear as the serpent beguiled Eve, he, as Satan tricked Eve, that he's also going to corrupt your mind away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. I believe in the simplicity of salvation. Now let me explain what simplicity means. Simplicity is the opposite of complicated. Being saved, getting saved, is a simple matter, as I'm going to show you from the Bible this morning. Satan wants to complicate it. Do you see there that you don't corrupt the gospel by making it simple, you corrupt the gospel by making it complicated. If your head is swimming this morning with, man, I hope I prayed the right word so that I'm really saved, you're complicating it. If you say, boy, I hope I repented of my sin enough so that I'm really saved, you're complicating it. It is not complicated. It is simple. Now, on God's side of it, it is, it is extremely complicated. And that's why there have been thousands and thousands of volumes written on salvation. Because it's written about God's side of it. And when you study redemption, when you study the reconciliation with God, when you study justification, when you study the atonement, all of these topics you could write on for eternity. But that's God's side of it. Now, we need to learn God's side of it. But you know what? It's just like that switch. In fact, that switch isn't even a very good illustration because that, that has a, uh, uh, what am I looking for there? Dimmer, yeah, dimmer switch. Those, those big words, they get me. Um, that's not even really a good illustration. The best illustration is a, one of those toggle switches on the back road. Back, back back wall, on or off. Now, on the other side of that switch, there are things that only an electrician would understand. There's things, I can't comprehend electricity. I don't get where that source of energy originates and how, you know, I remember as a kid, there was always that kid in the, uh, when it came time for the science project, and he made a battery. I, I didn't even try to. I stayed away from that kid. That's just weird. He, he made a battery. And then he took his homemade battery and he hooked it up and he, he made a light bulb and he made it. I, no, I'll just stick with history, man. You, you go ahead and do that. And I don't even comprehend electricity. 
Some of you do, and that's great. Brother Steve, you do. God bless you. That's great. I don't comprehend. I don't comprehend what's on the other side of that switch and what runs through the walls and all those boxes and and conduits and that panel back there and uh, the wires and, you know, we have, I have Simon come and do these uh, various things and I watch him and I just, and he does, and he's talking, he's looking at me doing this stuff with his hands. Uh, we had uh, last year the, the uh, uh, something pulled out of the side of our house. A, a truck went by and hit the electric line and it pulled something out of our house. I didn't even see that it had been pulled out. One of my neighbors drove by and uh, said, you got a fire hazard right there. So I called Simon and Simon, Simon climbs up there in the dark on a metal ladder and he's, he, I mean, uh, crazy, insane. I don't know, but you know what I understand? On and off. See, on my side of the wall, it's all simplicity. But from the other side of the wall, all the way to the box, the panel, all the way to the street, all the way through the poles, all the way to some transformer somewhere, and I don't even know where it goes from there. All I know, and all I need to know, is on and off. My side of the wall is simplicity. And your side of salvation is simplicity. And here's the great thing about your salvation, and I think you'll see this from the Bible as we look at these verses, that once you turn it on, there is no off switch. Now, that's a different topic, and I could take you through that. It's right in the verses we're going to look at. But what I want to show you this morning is how to flip the on switch of salvation. It is the simplest thing in the world. God made it simple because he wanted as many people as possible to be saved. God wants you to have forgiveness of your sins and everlasting life. And if you have it today, you'll never lose it. If you do not have it today, you can receive it today. Let me show you the simplicity of salvation and where better to begin but John 3.16. Turn over there, John chapter 3 and verse number 16. And let's read this verse together. You know it. You could quote it, but let's read it. John 3, 16. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want the message of the Bible condensed into one verse, that's it right there. God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, that means anybody who chooses to, whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, look at that verse and tell me what is the switch? What is it that I've got to do to turn on the light of everlasting life? And you could come up with no other answer but this, believe. Whosoever believeth in him. That's how you flip the switch. Believe on Jesus. Now, let me clarify, first of all, the meaning of that word believe. It's more than a a head belief, like I believe that Jesus lived. Well, 
If you have any sense, you believe that Jesus lived. That's a historical fact. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Well, that's, that's also a historical fact. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That, in my opinion, is a historical fact. Some would say that it is not. But even believing that Jesus rose from the dead is not enough if all you're doing is consenting to it with your mind. There is a level of belief that goes a little deeper. It must go beyond your mind and to your heart. And that aspect of believe is the aspect of trusting. I believe that George Washington lived, but I'm not trusting him to take me to heaven. I believe that Abraham Lincoln lived, but I'm not trusting him to forgive my sins. But I believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and I'm trusting him to forgive my sins and take me to heaven. And that is the word believe. There was a famous tightrope walker in the 1800s named Blondin. And Blondin, he did all those tricks that you see daredevils do today. And Blondin, for example, put a rope across Niagara Falls and walked on that tightrope from one side to the other. In fact, history says that he stopped halfway and made an omelet. Good for him. In one particular place, and it may have been Niagara Falls, frankly, I don't remember, but he had a tightrope there and a large crowd gathered to watch him walk across the tightrope. And uh, he walked back and forth and he came back to the crowd and uh, everybody was celebrating, ooh and ah and so forth. And so he asked his assistant for a wheelbarrow. He said, how many of you think that I can walk across this tightrope pushing a wheelbarrow. And everybody said, yeah, you can do it. So he pushed the wheelbarrow across the tightrope and back. He said, how many of you think I could walk across this tightrope with a wheelbarrow with a person in it? And everybody said, yeah, you can do it. And then he said, can I get a volunteer? The difference between believing with your mind and believing with your heart is that you volunteer to go ahead and put your soul in God's hands through Jesus Christ. I am trusting you to take me to heaven. By the way, that's the statement that made the difference for me when I was 14 years old. I, had, I could tell you how to be saved. I had led classmates in public school to Christ. But I had nagging doubts about salvation. I knew all of the facts. I had memorized dozens of Bible verses. But I could not get the assurance that I was saved until June the 8th, 1981. I was 14 years old. I was sitting in a, 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 car, a youth uh, meeting of, of about 5,000 teenagers. And that night the preacher made this statement. You need to trust Christ to take you to heaven. And that's the thing that flipped the switch for me. I said, that's what I haven't been doing. I've been begging him, I've been asking him, but I have not trusted him. He went so far as to say this, when you trust Christ, 
If you go to hell after that, it's his fault. When you trust Christ, if you go to hell, God's a liar. I said, ooh, you shouldn't say that. And then I realized God promised that if I trust Christ, I have everlasting life. And so I need to trust him. And that night, I prayed for the first time that I ever remember. I had prayed, I promise you, I would prayed the sinner's prayer a thousand times. Now, that's not an exaggeration. I'm, this was the great struggle of my youth, knowing for sure that I was actually saved. And I know I prayed the sinner's prayer a thousand times before that day. But that day, I said, Lord, I trust you to take me to heaven. And I mean the weight of the world lifted off of my shoulders that day. Why? Because I stepped in the wheelbarrow that day. I believed on, I trusted Jesus because he had died for my sins. I trusted him to take me to heaven. And God says, what flips the switch between not having everlasting life and having everlasting life is that with your heart, you believe on Jesus. So John 3.16 says that believing on Jesus is the difference between perishing and possessing everlasting life. Listen, I don't need to know all the details of what hell is about. All I need to know is that God says, if I don't believe on Jesus, I perish. Say, what's on the other side of the grave? I don't know, but God says that Without Jesus Christ, it's called perishing. Whatever that is, I don't like it. But if I believe on Jesus, instead of perishing, I will possess everlasting life. Shall not perish, but have. I will own it. The difference between perishing and owning everlasting life is the simple switch, believe on Jesus. Look at verse number 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. That's a legal term. That's you standing before the judge of the universe and God slamming down that gavel and sentencing you to eternal damnation. That's what condemned is. But he that believeth on Jesus is not condemned. But notice this. He that believeth not is condemned already. I don't know of two words in the Bible scarier than that. Condemned already. See, I I don't think that I'm going to be condemned when I die. Without Jesus, you're already condemned. And if you were to die right now without Jesus, you will die In a condemned state. Condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son. So there we see that believing on Jesus is the difference between being condemned and not being condemned. It's the difference between perishing and possessing everlasting life. And it's the difference between being condemned and not being condemned. Now look at verse 36 of chapter 3. Now, this is John the Baptist talking. The last two verses were Jesus talking, but this is John the Baptist talking. And he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. 
And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Two groups of people in the world right there. Those that believe on Jesus, those that do not believe on Jesus. Say, Pastor, I don't remember when I got saved. Do you believe on Jesus for your salvation? Yes. God says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you don't believe on Jesus, you're still covered by the wrath of God. I don't want to be covered in the wrath of God. So either you believe on Jesus and you're saved, or you refuse to believe on Jesus and you're lost. Believing on Jesus is the difference between perishing and possessing everlasting life. Believing on Jesus is the difference between being condemned and not being condemned. Believing on Jesus is the difference between having life and not having life. Now turn to chapter 5 and verse number 24. John chapter 5 and verse number 24. Jesus is speaking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. All right, so you hear the gospel message from Jesus Christ and you believe on the God who sent them. Now, what's implied there is that you believe that God sent Jesus So if you believe that God sent Jesus, you must also believe in the reason that God sent Jesus. The reason that God sent Jesus was to die for your sins, to be buried and to rise again, to reconcile you to God, to redeem the human race. So believing on the God who sent Jesus means believing in the whole purpose, the whole cause of redemption. So if you hear Jesus' word, and as a result of hearing, you believe in the cause of redemption, the result is you have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Do you hear? We're not talking future tense here. We're talking things that happen right now. And if you hear the gospel message and believe on the God who sent Jesus to die for your sins, you have everlasting life. You shall not come into condemnation. Now tell me there how, based upon that promise, you could possibly lose your salvation. If God promises, shall not come into condemnation, but is past. From death unto life. You already have everlasting life. It's a done deal. Is passed from death unto life. What's the difference between the two? Between not having life and having life. Once again, it's believing on Jesus Christ. Believing is what flips the switch. Turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse number 25. John chapter 11, verse number 25. Don't ever get over the sweetness of the simplicity of salvation. Don't ever get tired of hearing about it. 
John 11, verse 25, Jesus is standing near the grave of his friend Lazarus, and he's speaking to a grieving sister of Lazarus. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Believing on Jesus assures you of the resurrection from the dead. Because he is the resurrection and the life. And though you may at some point in the future be dead, should you die before the trumpet sounds, before we are raptured, though you are dead, yet shall you live. Why? Because when you believed on Jesus, you received the resurrection. Turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul said, I'm I'm afraid that Satan is going to try to complicate matters by luring you away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of jokers out there. And you say, I don't think that's very kind. Paul used a lot meaner words than joker for false teachers. There's all kinds of jokers out there that will come along and try to talk you out of your salvation. That they'll tell you that you're, you may be saved by faith, but you're kept by works. Well, the whole book of, of Galatians, the whole book of Galatians was written to combat that error. You're saved by faith. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Acts 16, verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the clearest incident in the entire Bible of somebody asking, how do I get saved? How do I get saved? And the first word out of the apostle's mouth, believe. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now you say, well, does that mean that if, if this guy gets saved, that everybody in his family is saved? No. He's saying, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And if every member of your family believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved too. It'll work for your whole family. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Believing on Jesus is how you get saved. And on the authority of God's word, I say, don't ever let anybody else tell you otherwise. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. The simplicity of salvation. I believe in the simplicity of salvation. That if you know, listen, if you know that it's dark, then you know all you need to do is flip on the switch to get the light on. And if you know that you're lost, people say, well, pastor, you're leaving out repentance. First of all, you don't see repentance in any of these verses that we read. I'm not preaching against preaching on repentance. Let me tell you, though, what repentance is. Repentance means to change, to think differently afterwards. 
The only reason you flipped the switch to turn the light on is because you realized it was too dark. And the only reason you flipped the switch to believe is because you realize you're lost. If you don't realize you're lost, you don't flip the switch. If you don't think it's dark, you don't turn the light on. It's when you realize it's dark that you say, you know what? I don't like this darkness. Let's turn the light on. And you don't believe on Jesus until you're convinced that you're lost. And the decision to say, I'm lost and I don't want to be, and I'm going to believe on Jesus, that is the act of repentance. It's the act of realizing that you're a sinner in God's sight and you're turning from that to turn the light on by believing on Jesus. I'm not minimizing the importance of talking about repenting of your sin, but I would remind you that in all these passages that we read and dozens of others, the message is believe on Jesus. I don't think that it's wrong to mention repentance. I think we do need to mention mention repentance, but understand that when you're convicted of your sin and you believe on Jesus, repentance just happened there automatically. It's not a separate step that you have to, oh boy, I believed, but I didn't repent. If you were convicted of your sin and you put your faith in Jesus, you repented in the process. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I have, I have you turned to Romans chapter 1? Okay, then let's look at that. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation. For who? To everyone that believeth. There it is. There's the switch. One more time. Believe. When you believe, you flip the switch of the power of God unto salvation. One last passage. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and if you're telling somebody how to be saved, this is very often where you'll wind up. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He say, wait a minute, is that saying there that you've got to pray, you've got to say something out loud in order to be saved? No. But listen, here's the natural reaction. When you believe on Jesus, you're first, you say, okay, yeah, I want to believe on Jesus. What do I do? That's the first reaction. What do I do? We'll believe with your heart. Yeah, but what do I do? I want to do something to confirm it. I want to do something to verify it. Okay? So that's why with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You let it be known. Does that mean that you have to verbally say something in order to be saved? No. Stop making hurdles out of everything. But the natural reaction when you say, when you see it, Remember, some of you can remember when you saw it. (gasps) What do I do? Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We, We want, now, calling doesn't save you. 
But when you believe on Jesus, you, you, you want to you express it. So with the mouth, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. By the way, the same faith that makes you want to call out to the Lord also makes you want to show everybody by being baptized. Does that mean if you don't get baptized, you're not saved? I don't believe that. Some people do. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe, Peter said, baptism is an answer of a good conscience. In other words, if you trusted Christ, why would you not want to follow him in baptism? But again, we, we turn it into another hurdle. If you don't get baptized, you're not really saved. It's not, the Bible's not written in that, in that manner. You can't find these statements that we like to create. If you don't do this, you're not really saved. If you don't do this, you're not really saved. The Bible's not written that way. The Bible is written sort of in an opposite matter. Believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. And oh, you're going to want to call out to him when you, to express your faith. You're going to want to follow him in baptism. You're going to want to, you know, James chapter 2, faith without works is dead, being alone. And we turn that into another hurdle. Wait a minute. It says a man is justified by his works. You, you get it backwards. The man who puts his faith in Jesus is going to want to show it by the way he lives. Don't make a hurdle out of it. If you're not doing this and this and this and this, you're not really saved. The Bible's not written that way. We twist it to say those things. He said, if you, if, when you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to want to call out to the Lord in prayer. You're going to want to follow him in baptism. You're going to want to be faithful to church. You're, you're going to want to live an obedient life. You're going to want to show by your works that you have faith in your heart for Jesus Christ. But the switch is believing on Jesus. On God's side of salvation is the most amazing doctrine the most amazing teaching. Listen, that is one of the many, many differences between the Christian faith and everything else that is out there that calls itself religion. If you dig just a little bit in Buddhism, you're going to hit you're going to hit some major flaws. Dig just a little bit in Hinduism. You you hardly have to dig at all in Islam, to hit some major, major problems. But you can dig and dig and dig and dig in the doctrines of the Christian faith, and all you'll find is glorious, wonderful, eternal, marvelous truths showing how this great, amazing, complicated plan of redemption all fits together on God's side. On our side, just a little switch. It's in the no position. You were born with it in the no position. God didn't hold you responsible in those days because you didn't even know there was a switch. But there came a point where you decided, you consciously decided, you knew what was right or wrong. I don't know how old you were. Maybe you were eight. Maybe you were ten. I don't know how old you were. You knew what a lie was, and you chose to tell it for the first time. 
You knew what honesty was, and you chose to steal for the first time. There came a point where just as Adam and Eve took of the fruit, you knew what right and wrong was, and you made the choice to embrace it. And in that moment, you became a sinner in God's sight. How old was I? I don't know. But I know what happened. From that moment on, that light switch has been off. I said a moment ago the switch was off when you were born. That that may not have been the case. I I probably took that that analogy a little too far. But I know this. From the moment that you understood what you're doing and consciously chose to be your own God, that switch has been off. And now you're faced with the choice to believe on Jesus. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Will you believe on Jesus? Have you believed on Jesus? If you have believed on Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You are passed from death unto life. You shall not come into condemnation. You saw that with your own two eyes. If you have not believed on Jesus, I beg you to turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to see the simplicity of salvation. That is the great message of the Bible, and I pray that none of us would miss it. Lord, I will be heartbroken if any person who sits in these seats today rejects Christ and does not choose to take Jesus as his or her Savior. I pray that you'd help us today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to leave in just a couple of minutes. But before we go, I must ask you this question. Have you ever made the choice to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, to trust Jesus to take you to heaven? If you have not, the Bible says that you are condemned already. But you can change that today by saying yes. I believe on Jesus. I believe on Jesus. So how, do, how do I do that, okay? Can you admit that you've sinned against God? Can you admit that you have a sin nature that wants to do opposite of what God wants you to do? God tells you to tell the truth. Do you lie? Have you ever wanted to lie? That's your sin nature that makes you want to lie. God tells you to love everybody. Have you ever hated? Have you ever wanted to hate? It's your sin nature that makes you want to hate. God tells you to obey your parents. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Did you ever disobey your parents? Did you ever want to? It's your sin nature that causes you to do that. Because we, we have sinned against God, there's a penalty to pay, and that penalty is eternal death. It's what we read in the Bible. It's perishing. It's condemnation. Whatever hell is or isn't, you don't want any part of it. So because we're sinners, we perish. But Jesus Christ took your place when he died on the cross. He took sin's penalty on himself. So the punishment, the condemnation that I deserve, Jesus was punished for me. He died for me. He took my hell for me so that I could be forgiven and he offers forgiveness and everlasting life to every human being and he waits for you to receive it how do you receive it it's what we've been saying for the last half hour believe on jesus if you're here today and you have never made the choice to believe on jesus would you do that now
Here's how you do it. Talk to God for yourself. Tell him something like this. Dear God, I know that I have sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul. Thank you for dying for my sins. I turn from my sins today, and I trust you to forgive me and to take me to heaven. Help me to live for you. I wonder who's here today who said, Pastor, before today, I never made that choice. I never prayed that prayer. I never believed on Jesus. But just now, just now I did. And with everybody head bowed and eyes closed, you say, I, I want let to let you know about it. You'd raise your hands. I just, I've never prayed that before, but I did just now. I just took Jesus as my Savior. God bless you. That's awesome. God bless you. That's awesome. You say, I never did before, but I did just now. You slip your hand up. God bless you, you, you fellas. That's awesome. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand and believe in the simplicity of salvation. Lord, I thank you for these young men who raised their hand to say, I just took Jesus as my Savior. And I pray that you'd give them full understanding and confidence in their salvation. Lord, when everything is said and done, this is all that will matter. Because this is what takes us into the life that really matters, eternal life. This is temporary. We all know this is temporary. It may last 100 years, but 100 years is still temporary compared to forever. Only through Jesus Christ do we get to forever. Oh, God, help us to understand that. Bless these young men and help all of us to live with the priority of eternal life. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. And uh, we do things a little bit differently on Sunday.